Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. So excited to be back with you here on this episode. Took a little bit of time off for a little vacation and got under the weather for a while, but I'm glad to be back here with you. I'm excited that we've reached over 2,400 downloads. I want you to share this with your friends and encourage people in the word of the Lord. I don't think we can get enough of listening to the word of God and scripture to be able to encourage us and to be able to let us grow in the faith. But I was looking uh, at what I was going to talk about in this next episode or two, and I was thinking about uh, what I preached on here just, uh, oh, probably a month ago about preaching on the Feast of Tabernacles, and I thought I would go through a couple of the Feasts of Scripture. I think it's neat the way that we still uh, don't realize a lot of the things that we do today, even like Easter that's coming up here uh, next month. Uh, it you know we still celebrate things, and a lot of these things are placed around uh, the Hebrew uh, calendar. Uh, we we know we go by the lunar calendar; they go by the sacred calendar. Of course, there are several calendars in the uh, that the Hebrew people follow, but uh, we do still do some things around times like what's coming up now is the Passover. Uh, the festival uh, of the Passover, and then, of course, then followed by the festival of unleavened bread. But in the in when we look at the festivals, when we look at the things that the Hebrew people do, it's kind of like everything else. It's kind of like Christmas in America. It kind of gets commercialized, and you know, uh, no matter what it is, it kind of gets commercialized or paganized or whatever you call it. But it's not always wrong that that happens. I'm not against the holidays that we have, but I think there's some good value we can learn from the way that some of these things were done. So I want to read, start in Exodus chapter 12. Verse 1, and the Bible says, The Lord said unto Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is before you, the first month, the first month of the year. Tell that whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of the month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some of it is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And when the Lord declared this Passover, uh, you know, he declares it to him. And then we, we can read on in verse 12 how they will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both of people and animals. Remember, when the Lord declared this, he said, do this. Not only did he say do this, he said do this in haste. He was getting ready to deliver the people, and he was going to deliver the people through protecting them. And I thought this was a a great part of the covenant to start when the people of Israel were now leaving Egypt. Remember, 
the 10 plagues, this was the last of them, that now Pharaoh himself, his firstborn, his own firstborn was going to die. And the Bible said you could hear wailing throughout the countryside. So there were people screaming and crying when they woke up and they realized that their firstborn had been taken. And one of the things that's interesting about, I didn't realize until studying, is that it was a common place at this time when the people were in Egypt and after they left Egypt, that when they would have a sacrifice, they would sacrifice it at the threshold. Not only would they take the blood to the threshold, that it was common that the people would take and sacrifice their animal at the threshold of the home. And what they would do is they would put a basin underneath the sacrifice. They would kill the sacrifice. Then they would take it and put it on the outside of the doorpost and on the sides of the doorpost. And this was a common thing. But the, the institute that, that God established with the Israelites is he said, I want you to take a lamb. Or obviously, he also said you could also take a goat, but you're going to take it and you're going to set it aside. So on the 10th of the month of Nisan, so we're coming up on April right here, getting real close, you know, next month. And so on the 10th of the month, he says that you're to set them aside. Do you know that in 2020 and also 2019, that that we are so close to having our Easter on that month of Nisan. And, and I, I didn't, I didn't really realize that until I studied that out, but we're going to be right on that same weekend of the month of Nisan that the Hebrew calendar that they go by and our lunar calendar will line up. And it is, it is a symbolic act. When we have Easter, it's a symbolic act. We know it's the death, the burial, but then the resurrection. And on the month of Nisan, on the 10th month, they were to take the animal and set him aside, but it wasn't until the 14th. So there was five days that they had to inspect this lamb or this goat. They had to look at it. They had to watch it. They had to set it aside from the rest of the herd and they had to inspect it and look at it. And if it wasn't right, they had to choose another one. This was a time of separation. And wasn't it interesting that our Lord and Savior, he walked into Jerusalem on the very day, the 10th of Nisan. He walked in right at member, the feast of Passover was happening. He walks in during that feast time. They laid down the palm branches and they inspected him. And you remember what Pilate said? He they they took him. Remember the Jewish magistrates. You know, I've I've heard a lot of people say that you know the Jews killed our Lord and Savior, and there is truth in that. But remember, Jesus had a great following of Jewish people. He had converted many. Matter of a fact, there was a small sect of people that were more, uh, they were more of puppeteers, if you will, for the government, for the Roman government. And they were, they were in power and they were in authority. And that's more what the people that were that pushed to have him so crucified. Remember, they took Jesus at night. So the people wouldn't stop him. I mean, it was done in secret. It was done, at, you know, late wee hours in the morning. It was done at night. But then they took him and they finally took him to Pilate and said, see if Pilate can find fault. And here's what Pilate said in John nineteen fourteen: I find no fault in him. So that five days he was set aside. He was questioned. They tried to trick him. They tried to, you know, trip him up. Remember, they took and said, you know, they're always trying to trip him up. They said, you know, do we pay to Caesar? Do we we pay our tax money. And he looked at the coin and he said, pay to Caesar what Caesar's pay to God's was God. He would confound them every time they tried to trick him. 
They tried to come to Jesus and they tried to say, so if a man dies, who's he married to in heaven? And he said, oh, but you fools. He said, don't you know that there is no marriage in heaven? I mean, he continually got out of their tricks and what they were trying to entrap him with. So he was inspected. He was looked at. They, they could find no fault in him. And then on that 14th day, that's the day that he was crucified, the 14th day of Nisan, and he was crucified. Mark, Mark, 20, Mark 15, 25 says, now it was the third hour that they crucified him. So it was at 9 a.m., and this was a common thing. It was at 9 a.m. that they would then per- begin preparing the sacrifice, begin sacrificing, begin uh, killing, begin, uh, I mean, because it took some time. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting. Let me back up. I thought it was interesting that one of the first places I said they would kill the sacrifice in the threshold of the home. That's how it first started in the biblical times in Exodus chapter 12. They would kill the sacrifice in the threshold. They would put the blood on the top. They would put the blood on the sides. And what they would do is, you know, I've heard people say the death angel passed over, which is true. But also their belief was that not only did the death angel pass over, but that allowed God to enter in into their home. You know, I don't know about you, but I think that the, the salvation, sure, we get saved at church. We go to church. We worship the Lord at church. But salvation begins in the personal life at home with our families. And wasn't it interesting that they'd be inside the home, but they couldn't see the blood. See, we're inside the covenant of God, but we can't see our Savior. But by faith, we know that that blood is there. We know that God protects us, and we know that he enters into our home, and that he sups with us, and that we have communion with him through the blood of Jesus Christ. And not only does the death angel pass over, but we trust that God enters in and protects us and watches over us and gives us peace. The whole thing, the first part of salvation— is having peace with God. Why do people struggle with alcohol? Why do people struggle with drugs? You can look for reasons until the end of time, but I'm telling you, friends, people struggle because they have no peace with God. They have no reconciliation deep down in their soul. They know that they have sinned, and we've all fallen short, the Bible says, of the glory of God deep in our soul. There's a deep conviction when we do things against God, and that's the first part of salvation, that we make peace with God through the blood of the Lamb. And I begin to think about some of the things that Isaiah said. Isaiah chapter 53 says, like a lamb led to the slaughter. See, for 1,500 years, this is so important. After they, they first, they killed the sacrifice on the threshold in Exodus chapter 12. Then into the temple time, when the, they would bring the sacrifices into the temple. Remember, the Jewish people started as a smaller group of people, and as they grew, as they grew in the time of the desert, that 40 years, and then they grew into the time of the tabernacle, into the time of the temple. They grew and they grew and they grew. And so they would then, once a year at Passover, they would bring their lambs to Jerusalem, and they would have them sacrificed there. And as the people grew, it became more difficult to travel further and further and further. So then actually the Levites, the priest would raise up lambs and in the temple and in the surrounding areas, they would raise them up so people could just travel straight to Jerusalem once a year in the month of Nisan. They would start their travel and they would get there around the 10th, knowing that on the 14th, they were to sacrifice that lamb. They would purchase the lamb from the Levites, then they would sacrifice it. So for 15 years, the people 
of God. We're, we're bringing those lambs, bringing those to the temple. So they already knew when Christ came on the scene, they were already for 1500 years had been preparing, had been inspecting, had been sacrificing. So when he walked through those gates, they knew there, it wasn't like, I think sometimes we look, uh, we have to have a biblical view of this. I think sometimes we look that there were just a few people that believed in him. No, He had a tremendous following that knew when he was coming. They knew he was the Messiah. He entered in through the inspection gate. They knew that he was their Lord and Savior. They had been waiting and waiting for the Messiah. They were excited that he was coming. Now, uh, the the, the downturn of his death is a a discouraging thing if you look at it, but it's also a, a, a time of celebration. And that's what this feast of Passover was. It was a time of celebration. And then so not only would they bring him, they brought him in through the gate, they inspected him. And then once they inspected him, they crucified him. But on the day of, on the exact day, I can't stress this enough, on the exact day, then Mark chapter 15, verse 33 says it was the ninth hour. So the ninth hour is three o'clock Jewish time when Jesus breathed his last breath. At the, Mark states it exactly. And at three o'clock was when finally that sacrifice would die. The crucifixion began early in the morning at 9 a.m., but it, it lasted all the way up until three o'clock was the exact time when the sacrifices had to be taken place in the temple according to the law, according to scripture. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, I've not come to do away with the law, but I've come to fulfill the law on the exact time. Can you imagine how how nearly impossible that would be to even plan that as a human? No, because it wasn't just human. It was God. Remember, he bore our transgressions. Isaiah 53, he bore our transgressions. He was led like a sheep to slaughter. He was bruised for our iniquity. And that exact hour at three o'clock, he breathed his last breath. But not only that, these sacrifices for these 1500 years, whenever they would Go and they would roast those lambs. Remember, the Bible says that you're to eat them. You are to consume them. That's a type of, that's a type of communion that we have with Christ, that we are to commune with him completely, completely engulf him. And he's to engulf us, if you will. We are to be in his word. We are to be in prayer. We are to be in the house of God, to have constant communion with him. You know, the apostle Paul says that we're to pray without ceasing. That's a depth of communion that I'm afraid if we're not careful, we'll miss it about the Passover, but not only were they then cooked, but they were cooked on what they call a spit. You look it up today. You can look it up on Google. Something you roast an animal on is called a spit, and it would be a stick that they would put the animal through, and then they would spread the arms out, and they would put it, and it made a perfect cross. So when he was crucified on the cross, they could look up and see and say, this is what we've been doing. This is what we've been waiting for. And they would roast him completely. And in John nineteen thirty six, he says this, for these things were done that the scripture may be fulfilled. Listen, the Bible says not one leg would be broken. Remember, they broke the legs of the other two thieves laying beside him. But then they went up to him and they pierced him. He had already passed. He had died at three. The rest of them made it past three o'clock. And there was a high Sabbath day coming and they had to pull him down from the cross or else they would have been defiled. And they and they had to the, 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 see how, how spiritual these Jewish leaders were. Uh, these these officials, uh, there were more, they were very connected in political and government that they said, oh, 
no, we might defile it, so we have to pull him down. So they broke the legs of the other ones because they had not died right at 3 o'clock. See, there was one man that died at 3 o'clock. There was one man, but there was one lamb that died. And when he died, he was the perfect sacrifice for our sin. But then the Bible says that they pierced him with a sword. They broke the other one's legs. See, not one leg could be broken. That was the purpose of this spit, that they tied the the lamb on or that they tied the goat on they would tie him to it to where the legs and to where the arms were held secure to where nothing would be broken to where nothing would hit against something as they were rolling that around the fire and it was a perfect fulfillment of scripture but not only this the lord jesus was crucified on the passover he was buried on the feast of unleavened bread and he was resurrected on the feast of the first fruits There are so many symbolisms in Scripture about the Passover and about how they did that, that that God had been preparing the hearts of the people for all those years to where they would know that it was him. And, And I got to thinking about it. I got to thinking about our Easter that's coming up. Many of us probably didn't realize that Easter is going to take place on the exact day, April 12th of 2020. We probably didn't even realize that then, on the, the the that being that day, the actual that is in the month of Nisan. That is the day, the the exact day that's going to be the day in the Feast of Tabernacles. When I hear people all the time saying, "Oh, Easter's not what it was, not what it should be," listen. God is bringing about the things that he began in motion years ago. And sometimes we are so ignorant of the fact of the things of Scripture and ignorant of the fact of the things. God it wants us to celebrate Easter. God wants us to celebrate these things and these times. Do we have to do it on an exact day? Absolutely not. But we are to be, as spring is coming, we are to be looking toward these feasts, looking towards and studying these things out and understanding what happened in the day of Scripture. Because, listen, friends, if it wasn't for the resurrection, we would have no salvation. But if it wasn't for the death, we would have had no resurrection. And and I'm telling you, it's a complete work of Christ. And I think you'll see as we study these feasts how that it ties into our Christian life. I believe if we're missing anything today, we're missing the peace of God on our life. I think we're so busy. When you talk about, you say, well, how's this all tie in? Well, this ties in to everything that we do in our Christian life. Listen, friends, if we have the peace of God through knowing that the death of his son covered our sin and that we are protected, we won't have anxiety. If we have the peace of God, we're not going to want to have conflict in our life. If we have the peace of God, we're going to be able to lay our head on our pillow at night. Do you know that between anxiety and depression and insomnia, it's an epidemic. We're trying to mask the pain of our lack and peace of God in our society today. There's more conflict now than there's ever been. There's racisms. There's dividing of this country. That's all we see constantly when you turn on the news. This people group hates this people group. Hey, listen, there was no stranger to that in these Jewish people. You know, there was about 10 different sects of Jewish people back in biblical times. They weren't all in one accord. They were separated. But see, when Jesus came, he came to where then there were no more Galileans or Judeans. Those were two people that opposed, two 
major Jewish groups that opposed each other. And when Jesus came, he's saying, I've come that you can have peace amongst yourself, that you can come in agreement. Friends, we don't have to agree on everything. We can even agree to disagree, but there's one thing we have to do, and that's come to peace with Jesus Christ. That's come to him knowing that by the blood of the lamb, we have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and that we are to consume him. And I believe this today, if we're lacking anything, we're lacking the communion of Christ through his death. Listen, there are churches and people that are taking down crosses, that are pulling down altars, that don't want to be an offense. Friends, I've got news for you. He is an offense. Matter of fact, I read the scripture sometimes. It offends me. I say, I can't believe the scripture says that, but the scripture doesn't change. I'm to change. I'm to devour the things of God, engulf the things of God, and not try to change it, but let it change me. I'm afraid we're living in a time to where all our emotion, all of our energy, all of our meditation is on things other than God. And we wonder why we're an empty society. We wonder why we're plagued. And these things are an epidemic like depression. These things are an epidemic like anxiety. These things are an epidemic like divorce. These things are an epidemic. People being murdered because we lack God. We lack the very thing that gives us peace with ourselves. We have no peace anymore. I think if if I could sell peace, I'd be a billionaire. Hollywood's tried to get peace. They can't find peace. People have tried to get peace. They can't find peace. We're at war with one another. We're at war, matter of fact, with ourselves and our soul. So, friends, I hope this word's been good to you. I want to encourage you. I didn't have enough time to pass, even to touch the surface of this, but I want to encourage you to look it up. You can look up on YouTube, different videos and things about the Passover. As we enter this spring season, I want you to embrace the Passover. I'll talk to you again later probably about the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of the First Fruits, and then last but not least, the Feast of the Tabernacles. But friends, I hope this word's been good to you. We'll share the Word of God with your friends. I encourage you to talk about the Scripture, talk about the things of God this week, and until next time, friends, God bless. <music>